Amen. Praise God. Amen. The scripture teaches us that this life that we have is not our own. Therefore, Christ is calling us here today to turn to Him with thanksgiving and with humility. So can we just come together as a church, just in our own individual voices? Can we surrender our hearts before our King? Can we just pray to Him and just surrender all that we have, all of our worries, all of our burdens, let's lay them at His feet. Can we just come together and pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank You for this new day that You have given us, God. May we not forget the purpose as to why we are here. For I am not here for fellowship. perspective of what life is all about. May we not get lost in the riches of this life or in the young youth, the days that we think that we have left in this life. For tomorrow is not guaranteed to any one of us. But may we right now as we have breath today, right now at this very moment, we turn to you with thanksgiving. I pray, Lord, you would instill within us a spirit of humility, humility to humble ourselves and to truly pray to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. And as we humble ourselves, may we become a servant. And as servants, not only do we serve you, but may we learn to serve others. 
May we always be in a place to be in service, to help those who are in need, and also at the same time to receive the help when we are also in need as well. May we be a community that truly honors your word, that truly has the love of Christ in our hearts. And may we honor you in our day-to-day life. Every decision that we make may point to our Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray right now as you transition to the message, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all those hearts who will be listening here today, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For we declare today, we shout today that you are our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. We thank you, we love you. All of these things in your precious Son, just cross me pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's just give a big hand to the praise to our Lord. Welcome to the house of God this morning. It's good to see all of you here. I pray that today's message will truly pierce your heart with the power and the touch of the Holy Spirit. And may the Lord encourage you this morning. We're going to continue on in our Real Faith series. And we are now at part 15. And the title of today's message is True Wealth in Christ. True Wealth in Christ. Whenever we think about wealth, we think about old money. We think about musk or basils. We think about people who have a lot monetary things. But today I want to teach us through the Word of God, through James 5, what it means to honor the Lord, what it means to follow Him. So today's message is found in James chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. And the heading says, Warning to Rich Oppressors. Warning to Rich Oppressors. It says this in verse 1, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look! The wages you fail to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have found yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Amen and amen. So let me begin with point number one, what James is teaching us here. Point number one is this, the worthlessness of riches. The worthlessness of riches. I did not say the worthlessness of the rich, of the person, of the individual who is rich, who are rich. I'm talking about the worthlessness of riches. For God does not hate rich people, we know this. For in his eyes, he loves them both. The poor and the rich alike, he loves them both. And the perspective on what, re- what rich is, is subjective, right? We know the story of Charles Dickens' novel, right? A Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Scrooge, the protagonist, he is rich, wealthy, has a lot of monetary things, physical things. But we see the other person, Bob Cratchit, 
who is the clerk that works for Scrooge, and he is underpaid. He is lacking in riches, but who is the true rich individual? Cratchit was rich with love from his family. So we understand that money is not the root here of evil. Money is not the issue. Money is not the root of evil. People say money is the root of all evil. That is not true. The scripture says the love of money is the issue. The love part is the root of all evil. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, it says, again, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And then it goes on, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the sole point here, the warning that James is giving us in chapter 5 is, letter A, you hoard it. Letter B, you exploit it. Letter C, therefore you murder. The hoarder, God hates. The exploiter, God hates. And the murderer, God hates with a passion. So when we put riches as our priority, and with our riches we hoard, we exploit others, therefore, in turn, we are actually murdering these people. When you hoard, in other words, you're withholding from helping those in need. When you explode, you abuse and use those who are the least of these. You're using them for your benefit, but you are not serving them. With riches, we are called to what? As Christians, we are called to serve. And if we don't, the scripture here through James 5 is teaching us that we are in fact guilty of murder. God calls these people who exploit, who hoard, Murderers, for they treated the innocent, the defenseless life, with hate. They used and labored the poor to labor endlessly in paying off their debts. Again, verse 46, Look, the wages you fail to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fanned yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. And the reality, as James wrote this, the context was that the poor, especially back in the day, they could never pay back their debts. It did not really matter how hard they worked, for again, it was not capitalism. It was actually not fair back in the day. So these people will work and work and work endlessly, and they will never be able to pay back their debt. So what these rich oppressors, what they would do is, especially back in the day, they would force, these families would be forced to sell all of their possessions. They'll be forced to sell off family members in order to pay back their debt, and even then it was not enough. And what would happen? The poor would then die from starvation as they try paying off the mountain of debt that they could never 
fully repay. So listen to me, my friends. We need money, right? We need money to survive. Again, money is not evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. But however, money is also not our God. Money is not our Savior. The goal and the answer is we must not focus on the riches or the things and the gifts that we have. Rather, we focus on the giver. Not the gifts, but the giver. For God can anytime, he can give it to you, and he could also take it away. That's why it says in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, the heading says, Do not worry. Do not worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagan run after all these things. I'm going to say it again. The non-Christian, they run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. This is the answer. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Again, what, where is it found? It's found in Matthew. Matthew, the author, is saying this. But it's found all throughout the gospel, even Luke, the physician. He says this. It says the same thing. Do not worry. Then Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 12, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about, what, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They did not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spend. Yeah, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For those of you who are thinking about, oh, I'm hungry right now. What am I going to eat later? Don't worry about it. We'll eat something good. For the pagan world runs after all these things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. His kingdom and his righteousness. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to you to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So again, the worthlessness of riches. Where is the treasure of your heart? Is it in God 
Or is it in the things that you have in this life? I pray that your true wealth will be found in Christ this morning. So again, number one, the worthlessness of riches. And point number two, the dangers of misusing our resources. The dangers of misusing our resources. Here is a reality check. The wealthy individual that professes to be a Christian have infiltrated our churches. And as they sit in the pews, their worship is not of Jesus Christ. Rather, their God is money. And on the flip side, their money is their God. Let's take a look at verse 5 in our main scripture. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. He's talking to the rich, wealthy, so-called Christians who are sitting in the pews. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have found yourselves in the day of slaughter. Therefore, how do we avoid the slaughter? The way we avoid the slaughter, the scripture tells us, is to be in the habit, get in the habit of letter A, giving. If we're not giving, it's like exercising. If you consume too much calorie and you're not putting any output, we're just going to get spiritually obese. We're just going to become unhealthy. Therefore, whatever God gives, we don't hoard again, but we give. We give and we serve. By giving, letter A, giving, letter B, serving, letter C, helping. So if our goal in life is to live in service for others with the love of Christ as our root, we shall be blessed much. The scripture says we'll be blessed tenfold, hundredfold, thousandfold. However, if we hoard and abuse and misuse through robbery, through corruption, with dishonesty, burglary, robbery, the result is death. So the way that we use the resources that God gave us in the correct manner is letter A, we give, we serve, and letter C, we help. And lastly, letter D, we tithe, tithing. And I'm going to do a separate topic on this, and this is a difficult topic, and a lot of pastors try to avoid this. But as we give to God in tithing, let me just say this, we give to Him because everything that we have is His. All we are, we're not owners of anything, we're just managers, we're just stewards. The Bible says we're the stewards of His kingdom. When we give to God, we give out of joy. Why? Because it is His. It belongs to Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, we can never outgive God. We don't give God so that we can help Him out. Give Him a hand. We give to God because it is His. He's testing us. He's trusting us with the resources that He has given us. And tithing does not guarantee your promise into heaven. Isn't that what the whole Catholic, the history was? The Catholic faith was of the past, money to salvation. 
the Roman Catholics. But we understand that money, giving money to church, is not a guarantor of salvation. But because we are saved, out of the overflow, we give to God in tithing. Again, tithing is a response to our salvation, not the means to attain salvation. And I want to do a sermon on this separately, and I don't want to stay on this for too long, but a few things to note. You know, tithing really shows who your true master is in life. Is it God or the Bible says mammon, right? Mammon is money. It's the God, it's the money God, right? Is it God, our Lord Jesus, or is it mammon? It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. We said this. Some people, they're they're eager for money, have wandered from the faith, and have pierced themselves with many griefs. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one or love the other. You will be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. It says, both God and money. And tithing is tied to our spiritual faith, our spiritual growth. When we tithe, it's a sign of spiritual maturity. The way we tithe and give to God and to others is one way that we measure our spiritual growth, our trust, our condition. Greater the spiritual walk, the more willingness we have. Again, that willingness is not easy. You cannot teach that to someone. You could force someone to give tithing, but that willingness is priceless. More willingness that we have to give to God what is already His. And also tithing is an investment for eternity. Again, I want to do a separate. I have a lot more points on this. But may we understand what tithing is all about. That it's not about storing the treasures on earth, but it's about putting our treasure in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So again, letter A, we give. Letter B, we serve. Let us see, we help, and let us see, we tithe. And that's how we use the resources well for the kingdom of God. If we sway from this path, then we are in a dangerous place of misusing the resources that the Lord has given us. And when we misuse the resources God has given us, we are what? We are becoming murderers. We're in fact exploiting, we're hoarding, we're not using the resources that God has given us to be a genuine Christian. And God is calling each one of us to be a genuine Christian. And last point here, point number three, the seriousness of Christ's return. Now how does that apply to this passage of, that's found in James chapter 5 verse 1 through 6 here today. Let's specifically look at verse 1 through 3. It says this, Now listen, you rich people, weep and well because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. It says you have hoarded wealth in the last Days. If you have your Bible on the line, that last days is talking about Christ's return. It's talking about the end times. 
when we are on the day of judgment, when Christ returns, the second advent of Christ, we need to understand, we need to live each day as if tomorrow is not promised and that Christ can return any moment. We need to understand the gravity of how precious this one life is. The Bible tells us and teaches us, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, what does that mean, later times? It's the same thing that's found in James 5, verse 3, last days. In the last days, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. I'll say that again. In the end times, in the last days, in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Therefore, we must not fool ourselves into thinking that we have much time. We do not. Letter A, life is very short. B, life is but a breath. Letter C, life is gone tomorrow. And our life has only one purpose and one meaning. What is that? It's to know Christ and to be known by Christ. I'll say it again. It's to know Christ and to be known by Christ. It is to love Christ. It is to be loved by Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. What does that mean, to know him and to love him? What does it mean, to be known by him and to be loved by him? It means you are in a relationship with him. That is the most important thing. You need to fall in love with him. So James here is rebuking people for living their lives as if Jesus was never coming back. These rich people, they trusted in their riches, and they thought Jesus is never going to come back. But the scripture is reminding us that they are dead wrong. Jesus will come back. There are two guarantees in life. Number one, you will die. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, you will die. (laughs) And number two, Jesus is coming back. And both will allow us to see Christ face to face. But when we see Christ face to face, will we turn around sad away from him and be rebuked by him? Or will we be accepted by him? I pray that we will be accepted by him here today. May we not get deceived and lost with the riches that we have. Again, wealth is good. We need money. We need wealth. If we don't have money, how can we survive? But again, many money is not the guarantor of salvation. Christ is the guarantor of our salvation. And we give to God because we are saved. We don't give to be saved. We give to God because we are already saved. And James here is rebuking people. That's found there in James 5. James is rebuking people in verse 1 to 3. He is rebuking people for living their lives as if Jesus, their master, was never coming back. And he is saying, you are dead wrong. You need to get ready. He says, now listen, you rich people. Weep and well because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. The corrosion will testify against you 
and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Amen and amen. And as I ask Arlene to come up, I want to close with this last scripture here today. And this scripture applies to every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest. And the heading says, Watchfulness. And with that, we're going to uh, sing the song of our new song that we learned today, Reward, uh, that we're also going to be singing at Missions. But with that, let me just read this passage to you. It says in Luke 12, verse 35 to 48, it is a warning to us to be alert. It says, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. You got to keep it burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. He will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Verse 38, it will be good for those servants whose master, whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So Peter, he's asking the question, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone, right? Peter is amazing. He always asks the most silly questions and the best questions, right? Are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager who the master puts in charge of his servants to give them food, to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It would be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master, is taking a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect them and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces, assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. Amen and amen. Amen. Okay, going back to our title, True Wealth in Christ, I pray that with the resources, with everything that we have, that we faithful in being a faithful steward for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? Back in the day, let us remember when we were meeting at a dojo or we would have morning prayer at parking lot. And when we first started this ministry, when we had nothing, may we remember the faithfulness of how faithful we have been over the years. 
how many years has it been now since we've done nursing home. I think it's about five, almost six years now. And we've been faithful. And we don't do it for applause of men. We do it, why? Because we're here to serve. We're here to give to them the message of the gospel. We are here to serve. We are here to serve. We are here to serve. It says here, the master, when he comes, it says in verse 37, truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. Jesus came to serve on this earth. He washed the feet of his disciples. He came and he served the the oppressed he came and he served the least of these therefore Christ is calling us to serve the least of these to be his servant to be a service to others not to have them serve me a lot of pastors love having people serve them right Francis came in with a coffee this morning right giving me coffee each week the coffee <laughs> thank you so much I appreciate the little things but again I am also here to serve you I'm here to serve you, to pray for you, and to love you, and to pray for you, and to be here for you. Christ is calling us, regardless of our position, to humble ourselves and to serve, to serve and to serve and to give. And I pray that we as a church, the mark of our faith, of our church, will be that we are here to serve the Lord and to serve His people. To serve the community. Amen. amen. And amen. Life is very short. Life is but a breath. Life is gone tomorrow. And with that, can we all stand to our feet? Let's close our service with the new song that was introduced to us this morning. A song called Reward. Jesus, everything I count as loss. To know you and be known as yours. To share with you in your suffering. To be with you.
Father, through our series here today, Real Faith, you have taught us what true wealth means. True wealth is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And yes, as you have given us the warning through James 5, 1 through 6, warning to rich oppressors, I pray that we as true Christians, as genuine Christians, may we always find our worth in Christ. May we not hoard, may we not exploit, therefore murder. May we not fall under this pressure, this temptation of this life. But may we use the resources wisely by giving, by serving, by helping, by serving your people to be in service for your people. I pray that we will wait with seriousness, with urgency of Christ's return. Two things are guaranteed, that this life will end and you will come back, Lord. May we, right now, turn to you with humility and with thanksgiving. Lord, I pray that every word that was spoken, every song that was sung, every word that was said, every whisper that was whispered in our heart, Lord, I pray that will not fall to the ground, but you will hear us from heaven. And Lord, we pray in faith. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray in faith. We thank you, Lord, for this one life and one chance that we have. Give you all the glory and all the honor. May the name of the Lord be praised here today. We pray all of these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen and amen. 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 With that, we're going to transition to our final closing song. And then may we close the service with the benediction. Let us worship together. our service with our final prayer with the benediction. Uh, let us all pray together. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. 
And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he continue to work within us what is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And as God's people we pray, amen and amen. All right, God bless you. I love you guys. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you.